Hello everyone and welcome to JG Ministries Bible Study, where we study God's Word. As always, I'm Jeffrey, Minister and Chaplain with JG Ministries, and I'm so glad you joined us today. Because today we are going to start a new book of the Bible, the book of Mark. And Mark is one of the four Gospels of the New Testament. But before we get into any scripture reading or studying of the Word, I want to give us an introduction of the book of Mark. And let's begin with Mark's emphasis. The spatial emphasis of Mark is the superhuman power of Jesus, demonstrating his deity by his miracles. Mark narrates the things Jesus did rather than the things that Jesus said. And that is why he omits most of Jesus' discourses. It appears that Mark wrote this gospel for non-Jews. Now, from the beginning and by unbroken tradition, this gospel has been regarded as the work of Mark. Now, John Mark was a son of a woman named Mary, whose home was in Jerusalem, and it was a meeting place for the disciples of Jesus. It was the home that the Christians used as a meeting place. Since he was a cousin of Barnabas, he may have been a Levite. It has been thought that he was the young man who fled naked on the night of Jesus' arrest. Now, Mark's mother must have been quite an influential leader in the Jerusalem church because it was to her home that Peter went to after the angel released him from prison. Now, around A.D. 44, Mark went with Paul and Barnabas to Antioch and started with them on their first missionary journey. But he soon left them and went back. Then later, around A.D. 50, Mark wanted to go with Paul on his second missionary journey, but Paul refused to take him. This caused the separation of Paul and Barnabas. But Mark then went to Barnabas to Cyprus. Now some 12 years later, about AD 62, Mark appears in Rome with Paul and four or five years after that. Paul is asking for Mark to come to him. Thus it seems that Mark in his later years became one of Paul's close co-workers. Now, Mark and Peter, and Mark may have been a convert of Peter's, and the early Christian tradition states that Mark was, for most of his career, if you will, a companion of Peter. He was with Peter in Babylon when Peter wrote his first epistle, and Mark's gospel is believed to contain essentially the story of Jesus as told by Peter. It is thought to have been written in Rome between A.D. 60 and 70 and before the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Now, Papias, who lived from A.D. 70 to 155, was a student of the Apostle John and wrote in his explanation of the Lord's discourses that he had established the following after careful inquiry. 
that Mark became the interpreter of Peter and wrote down accurately all that he remembered of the words and deeds of Christ. Peter would adapt his instruction to the need of the occasion, but he didn't present a connected chronological account of the Lord's acts and sayings. Thus, Mark made no mistake when he wrote down some things as he remembered them. For he had one goal, to admit nothing that he had heard and to make no false statements. Now, Mark is un has a unique place in the canon. Since Mark is the shortest gospel, it's, about, it's, it's only 16 chapters, and about 90% of his material also occurs in Matthew, Luke, or both. But what contribution does he make that we could not do without? Well, first of all, Mark's brevity and journalistic simplicity make his gospel an ideal introduction to the Christian faith. On new mission fields, the book of Mark is often the first book that's translated into a new language, but it's not merely the direct active style, especially suitable for the Romans and their modern counterparts, but also the content that make Mark's gospel spatial. Now, while Mark handles largely the same events as Matthew and Luke, with a few unique ones, he has colorful details that the others do not have. For example, he mentions the way Jesus looked at the disciples. He mentions how Jesus was angry and how he walked ahead on the road to Jerusalem. He no doubt got these touches from Peter with whom he was associated at the end of Peter's life. Now, tradition says, and probably correctly, that Mark's gospel is essentially Peter's reminiscences, which would account for the personal details, the action, and of course the eyewitnesses effect of the book. Now let's take a look a little bit of the literary form of Mark. Because Mark starts out with the statements, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ. But what is a gospel? Well, perhaps it is best to state first what a gospel isn't. It's not a biography, which is an organized historical account of a person, beginning with his background and family and continuing to reach a significant period of his life. Uh, Mark has no genealogy or any birth narrative, and he says nothing of Jesus' boyhood or adolescence. Mark starts right out after quoting from the Old Testament with Jesus as a full-grown man. Now, Mark seems to have created the category gospel to describe the literary preaching material about God's saving work in Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Mark selects certain key points in Jesus' career, in his ministry, and aims at a credible account of these historical events. At the same time, the material is organized so as to stress certain subjects and motifs. The writing is not objective, but confessional. 
And this means that though the material found in Mark's gospel is rooted in what happened in Palestine during the first century of our era, it also bears the stamp of the man God chose to put it into its final form. Mark conveys God's good news of salvation by emphasizing Jesus' saving ministry. Mark also writes as a theologian, arranging and interpreting the tradition to meet the needs of his hearers. Now, the vocabulary of Mark's gospel is rather limited in his language and style. He uses 1,270 different words, of which 80 of them are particular to him among the New Testament writers. Mark is fond of transliterating Latin words, at least 10 of them, into Greek, and occasionally his Greek shows an underlying Latin construction or expression. A more important influence on Mark's language is Aramaic. It reads as if it might have come from those who spoke Aramaic as their mother tongue, and Aramaic, of course, was the language of Jesus. Now, although Mark's facility with the Greek language is clearly inferior to that of Luke and other New Testament writers, he manages to achieve a remarkably forceful, fresh, and a vigorous style. He uses the historical present over 150 times, and the adverb immediately occurs 41 times in the book. Thus, he gives his readers the impression of listening to an on-the-spot report, if you will. Intimate details, such as one would expect from an eyewitness, abound the reaction of the crowds, the emotional responses of Jesus, and, of course, the reactions of the disciples. Now, another important feature of Mark's style is his vigorous interaction with his readers. And he accomplishes this by three ways. The first one is he directly addresses them. Then he addresses his readers through the words of Jesus. And lastly, he uses rhetorical questions that are addressed to them. Now, Mark wants his readers to be participants not just mere observers. He wants them to respond to what he tells them about Jesus by saying of him, he is the Christ, the Son of God. Now lastly here, before we finish up here, I want to look at the background and the theme of Mark. Now in this gospel, we have the wonderful story of God's perfect servant, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the story of one who is Jesus who laid aside the outward display of his glory in heaven and he assumed the form of a servant on earth. This is a matchless story of one who didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. If we remembered that this perfect servant who is Jesus, was none other than God the Son, and that he willingly girded himself with the apron of a slave, becoming a servant of men, the gospel will glow with constant splendor. And here we see the incarnate Son of God, 
living as a dependent man on earth. Everything that Jesus did was in perfect obedience to his Father's will, and his mighty works were all performed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mark was a servant of the Lord who started well, went into eclipse for a while, and was finally restored to usefulness. Mark's style is going to be rapid, it's energetic, and it's concise. Mark emphasizes the deeds of the Lord more than his words, as I've mentioned before, which is evidenced by the fact that it records 19 miracles and only four parables. And lastly, as we study the Gospel of Mark, we shall seek to discover three things. The first one is, what does it say? The second one's going to be, what does it mean? And thirdly, what lesson is there in it for me? For all who wish to be true and faithful servants of the Lord, this gospel should prove a valuable manual of service. Now with that, I'm going to end for today. I just wanted to go through the introduction of Mark. But next time we meet right here, we are going to start chapter 1 of the book of Mark about John the Baptist who prepares the way for the Messiah. So until then, God bless you and keep living Christian strong.